Welcome to episode 279 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Coming to you on a Saturday, April 18th at 2.44 p.m. from my front room. And this show, you're going to hear a whole lot of Jason because I got nothing. Nothing, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. What have you been doing this week? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I had uh, my, my aunt and uh, cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, that was nice. Um, they were... Nice for you, but uninteresting uh, for everybody else. <laughs> LA tour, LA tourists, right? Right. Um, we baby, we we're starting to baby-proof our house because Jack's moving around a lot. Okay, how old is he now? He's just about to be nine months. Okay, so that's what all those boxes out in front of your, your front door are for baby-proofing yeah, stuff. Like you can see, there's gates, gates, going, gates going up the stairs and down the stairs, and he's really kind of starting to move now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's kind of now cute. It becomes a lot more work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whenever Georgie has to do something, she's like, here, hold the baby. It's like a game of chase. Yep. You know, chase the baby. Yep. All right. So you got nothing, huh? I mean, I got a couple of things, but I'll, I'll bring them in like at some point. Yeah. Not too much. Okay. What about you? Uh, yeah. You know, I got some things here and there. Um, you know, there's one thing that I forgot to bring up. This was like probably six weeks ago or something, a month, six weeks ago. Um, Sandy, uh, you know, we, you know, we took the kids to um, Sandy's parents to go uh, skiing for and snowboarding for a few days. Yeah. And on the drive back, we were on the 210, um, which is in L.A., so we were most of the way home. And all of a sudden, I see this giant wheel come flying over the embankment um, onto the highway you know, we're going like 70, 75 miles an hour, whatever, you're with traffic. And the embankment must have been 50 feet up. You know, when you, you know when the, on the 210 highway and sometimes up the sides of the highway, it's this gradual um, sloping grass hill. And there's, mm, yeah. you can't even see the cars up there, you, you know, because it's so much higher. Yeah, I know. It mean. comes flying over probably 30, 40 miles an hour. And this tire is like from those, those giant tractors. I mean, it's like as tall as our car. It comes flying and rolling across. And it hits, and it, we are in the um, carpool lane, so right near the median. And it comes and it, it bounces off the median to the car right in front of us, so probably 30 feet in front of us. 40, and, then, and then that car goes past it. You know, we kind of slow down and then it, and then it kind of, and we speed up as it kind of comes back to us, as it kind of starts to rotate towards us. I mean, we almost get hit, it was like almost death by flying tire that's crazy but what did the guys in in the car in front i mean they they just slowed they just kind of put the brakes on as a thing because the people in front of them i think sped up and then they kind of just put on the brakes and it amazingly went across like six lanes of traffic and didn't hit a single car (laughs) but i mean you got to figure like where's it going to come from like where the hell does a car come all i can imagine is it was tied down on one of these large yeah. flatbed trucks. I was thinking that. And yeah. maybe there was an accident up there and it got knocked off and came flying over. I mean, it's just the strangest thing. You would never expect a, I don't Giant know, eight tire. foot tall tire that must have, I mean, it probably weighed 500 pounds or more, 800 pounds. I mean, this thing is humongous. It was like from those earth mover type that, wheels. That, that, like, you highlight the reason why I hate freeways in LA. I've seen someone, you know, like bottles of water, like, you know, big packs of water. I've seen two of those bouncing across the freeway with people banging into them. And I, and I've never seen just, that. just recently, Georgie's parents and Georgie saw this where someone just fell asleep at the wheel 
and just slowly veered across the whole freeway. Really? Yeah. Twice, like within the last two weeks, twice. Strange. And it's just like terror. And you like it. it well, you're you, a scared. You're a scared driver. But you can drive. You can drive as well as you want. But you, there's no accounting for eight foot wheels. That's true, but you know what's funny thing was, the funny freeway. thing was, so Sandy was driving because so like, as we, the way we split up the driving is she's, she's what I call long haul and I'm short haul, mm-hmm. you know, like in, like in, uh, you know, the guys who drive the 18 wheeler trucks. So the guys who drive across the city, it's called short haul. When you go from city to city, it's called long haul. Right. Sandy does long haul because she likes, you know, just get on the highway and driving. I find it really boring. I'd rather just put my feet up and turn on the iPad and just read. Okay. And but then when she's driving the city, I go. You want around. lots of steering and and like. You know, I get when she's going. I'm like I'm like go around this person turn. Like what are you doing? You know. So she's <laughs> like, all right, you drive, right? I'm, yeah. But with this, there's nothing to do on the highway, right? It's yeah. just kind of snoozeville. So especially when you're driving across the desert. Yeah, I remember the one time I drove a car with you. You were like, go around that person. Come on now. Well, you are absolutely horrible. <laughs> you are literally the worst driver I have ever been in a car with. I mean, bar none, the worst. <laughs> well, that's because I've done so little driving. No, and I and I hate driving in this country. I know you. You know, well, it's like this. It's like when you don't grow up doing it. We don't learn to drive when you're 15, 16. It's just not hardwired, right. and you're and you don't develop the skills, the reactions, the peripheral vision, the confidence, the sort of intuition about what's happening. And then you're just, you're trying to process everything in your consciousness and you're just like, oh, this is insanity, you know, where I'm like, what are you worried about? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably, it would be the same reaction that any adult driving with a 16 year old who just got their license. Right. It's like, you're just like on edge, you're either irritated or fearing your life, you know, going, oh, fearing for your life, you know, so yeah. But, um, so anyway, we're, when we were, I saw it and Sandy saw the scene. I'm like, holy, you know, and I, I point to it and the kids are in the back watching a movie. They didn't even notice what happened because we we're in a, we, we have like, um, a DVD player mm-hmm. in the car. So they're all watching like, they're just watching the little mermaid or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they're watching whatever they're watching. And, but I'm like, hold on. Cause I'm afraid that she's going to put on the brakes and then some behind, you know, on the highway. Yeah. You put on the brakes when you're doing someone's gonna 70, hit 80 miles an hour. Someone's going to slam us from behind. But Sandy was like, she was totally just, she's like, I got it. And she's, cause she was keeping her eye on the um, rear view mirror. And she's like, no one was close to us. She's like, slow down, boom, nothing, like nothing. I was right. like, nice. I was like, I, I mean, I reacted more strongly than she did because I wasn't confident that she know, knew what was going behind us or whatever. But she's like, under control. That's cool. But uh, it was just the craziest thing. I mean, how many people have something like that happen to them? Like, we could literally, <laughs> if we were like one second, and we could have been dead. <laughs> right I mean, if that if that broadsided our car, that with that much weight and that speed coming across, I mean, but you said it did hit the car in front. No, it it hit the median, the big cement median, oh, right in front back. of the car, and then bounced back. It went past. It, did, it. it just didn't hit anyone. It didn't hit anybody, and then it came to rest like in the second lane over from the median. I was weirdest thing. Like, nice. well, you don't see that every day. Yeah, and the other, other people coming down at 70 miles an hour, all of a sudden in the middle of the road is this big eight-foot tire. <laughs> like, what the they... hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, it's funny. I, I, I can't believe I forgot to say that. So another uh, kind of a crazy tidbit of information. Um, my, my brother was – one of my brother's closest friends from high school is on The Walking Dead now. Huh. He's, like a, an actual part? Or yeah, a... he's, um, he's one of the guys in the construction crew. Because uh, Jeff, I, I just talked to, uh, I just talked to my brother Jeff, uh, you know, whatever, a couple weeks ago, and 
He said, yeah, you know, and I asked him, like, so what's going on with Axel? Or have you heard from, so I'll just, you know, ask about different people, friends of his, see what people are doing. And, and I'm like, what's going on with Ted? He's like, oh, man, he's happy. He's on The Walking Dead. I'm like, he's on The Walking Dead? What do you mean he's on The Walking Dead? I watched it. He's like, yeah, he plays some character named Bruce. I'm like, are you Bruce? <laughs> like, I watched, I just watched the finale. Remind, so tell me which guy Bruce is. Remind me of a scene. So you're you remember in the construct when they were in the construction zone and um, where the redhead guy started kidding people Abraham yeah when yeah. he stepped up that scene um, and then they in the guy the guy who basically was impressed that he'd kill people yeah well that wasn't Bruce it was one of the other guys so there was yeah. the, the female who fell off the yeah raised still tower thing and yeah. then there's the the main guy and there was like one, two other two to three other just like construction but guys. did you already know his name bruce from watching that part no or? well i didn't know it was him and then you went when, back and looked at it right then when jeff he texted me hit a, the picture of him in the you know in the scene i'm like oh yeah i see him firing an m16 or whatever yeah the, yeah like hey that's that's ted uh, he, he's like yeah man she texted him on facebook he, he'll be happy <laughs> that's cool he's, he's like on fire you know which is funny because he lives in atlanta but he does a fair amount of acting i mean yeah um Walking Dead is actually shot down in Sonoy, Georgia. Right. Um, and so I guess people who, there's probably a lot of Atlanta actors that get work down there, um, especially smaller roles like that. I mean, you're probably not going to cast that in, in LA and fly them out because they're not, it's not one of the major speaking roles. Yeah. But anyway, that's crazy. It's like Ted, Ted's on uh, one of my, bu- my little brother's high school buddies. <laughs> You know, he's the guys you come home from school or come home, you know, after, you know, and uh, either sit on the couch eating Cheetos, watch TV. Like, hey, you know, like, <laughs> on The Walking Dead. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I have to keep an eye out for uh, for Bruce of the const- on the construction crew. That's mm. uh, so. Let's see what else. I guess I got one if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Um, have you? You probably totally know about this, but the Reddit experiment with the button. Oh, really? The Reddit experiment with the button. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, basically, there's a button on Reddit. Uh, at the right, there's a counter which starts at 60 seconds and counts down to zero. Every time a Redditor pushes the button, the counter resets to 60. Okay. It's never gone to zero. Only people who signed up before April the 1st are allowed to push the button. Before April 1st? Before April 1st. Okay, right? so no new accounts. So no new accounts. 730,000 people have pushed the button and there's <laughs> so this is like the button from lost <laughs> yeah and there's a there's a slash r slash the button subreddit and basically if you've if you've pressed the button it shows your time like how close you got it to zero uh-huh. right and i don't think anyone's got beyond 29 right 29 is the low count like the low, yeah. like the low count and it, it says next to anything you post it says your time or non-presser <laughs> <laughs> how much now in lost how often did what was the interval in which they had to click the button it was like i was i think it was something like 47 seconds or one minute 47 what? No, no 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 it was more like it was, oh, was it 48 minutes was it i remember like a four and a seven or a four and an eight or something like that it was like 180 minutes or 100 i mean it was frequent enough that it was like you really couldn't do much i mean you couldn't go to the other part part of the island very easy. okay oh, but it wasn't like you couldn't take a nap or all right well anything. this is like 60 seconds so this is like no well of course you got the whole world not just like one guy sitting in a bunker clicking the clicking the uh, button that's funny yeah so i mean it's just it's just interesting stats <laughs> you know, people are just 
sitting there and and like there's all every 60 seconds you know or even more like every 30 seconds there's always like an original redditor ready to press the button mm-hmm. and but i think it goes beyond that where there's there's like clans of people who are kind of pretend you know ganging up to press the button and then other other people who are goading people to not press the button things like that right anyway i just thought it was interesting Yes, pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, I'm, so just what you I'm just kidding. So, that's, now that's literally everything I've got. So you better be wow. Mr. Entertainment wow. for the rest of the show. You know what thing that sucks? So um, with your new microphone, your brand new microphone, which listeners should know. Like, hopefully, in this show, we're not going to hear Jason shuffling the microphone against his shirt, which he normally does. No, it wasn't that. It was just it was it it, it was the joint was so loose, it was hanging down, and like it, my oh, voice kept coming in now. You always used to my do voice. It. But, but anyway, now this is like the latest generation of these Shure microphones, so hopefully Jason will sound very professional. Right, right on. Okay. Anyway. Cool. So um, I think I'm looking at Instapaper, and I wanted to look at my archive of all the previous the stories I've read over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's funny, like, if you don't have the premium ca- account, like, I can't see past, like, the last 10 stories, which sucks, because that means there's only the stories I looked at in, like, last day or two, but I'll just have to go from memory, I guess. Um. <laughs> okay, so I um I've kind of uh got myself into a situation. No, this is the year of no. Yeah, well, okay. Interesting. So we'll, we'll decide how this you know um applies but fits into the year of no. So um you know, Colby I I, I was teaching Colby to code via Catalyst for 2 years, right? Yeah. So we did that for two years, not this, not this year, but the previous years when Colby was in third and fourth grade. Now he's in fifth mm-hmm. grade, and you know I've I've been sort of encouraging him to continue programming. You know, not I'm not like on him about it every day or anything like that, but I, it's just something that I think he should do occasionally just to keep it up and improve a little bit over time. Because if he if he is a, a competent programmer, I think just there are lots of opportunities will present themselves as he gets into high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I had him doing the Code Avengers thing where we interviewed um, yeah. Mike Walmsley, I think, from Code Avengers a while back. And he was working his way through that. And um, and also Code Combat, which is the YC company, which is like an adventure game where you write code to get through a level to control the character. Like, you don't yeah. control with a joystick or something or, key, key, or you know keyboard keys. You just have to write now a little loop if-then statements or whatever. So... Um, you know, and he and Kobe was kind of blowing through the first couple of JavaScript courses in because he was doing them in school. And the reason he was able to do it is that he had gone through all of the math that the teacher had him to had for the kids in the class. They had this sort of K through eighth grade um, web um, web accessible math mm-hmm. program um, called um, Front Row, and he had gone out and completed everything up through eighth grade. So he's just, He's just like, I don't really, what do you want to do? And so, you know, do with him. And I said, well, why don't you have him program and I'll, I'll find something for him. So, you know, he, he started doing that. But then he just kind of slowed down on it. I mean, he, he, he claimed that his teacher wouldn't lo- let him do it. And he, he was forcing him, the teacher was forcing Colby to do these other, you know, silly math things, which he hated, you know, but wasn't allowing him to do you know, Code Avengers. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. And I, so I was trying to encourage him to do it at home. But I didn't want to make it a chore, yeah. you know? But the problem is, 
he wants to spend all his time playing video games and watching videos like all other kids. And specifically playing a game called Robocraft, which is kind of like you, it's a game where you design a fighting vehicle. Either it's kind of either it's on wheels or it flies. And as you go up to and you get points, you earn credits, which you can buy more powerful armor, more powerful weapons and bigger engines. Then you go out and you fight again and you go and you compete online. And then as you get enough points and you become tier two, tier three, and you level up and it's this big thing. And so he's just obsessed with that. Always watching videos about how to do it better. And he's always telling me about it. And I never know what the hell he's talking about, you know, <laughs> and he's always trying to get me to do it, but it's just like, I always feel like I got all the stuff I got to do. And I'm not that into playing video games. So I was just like, all right, well, all right, well, we'll see, you know? And then I thought, you know, why don't I do this? He, I'm trying to get him to code. He likes to code, but he, but it, 99 times out of 100, he'll end up choosing video game or uh, over, a RoboCraft over that. I, I like to code and I want him to code with me, but, you know, and in 99 times out of 100, I'll choose that over a video game. I thought that I hate video games. I just, I said, okay, here's what we'll do. I said, Kobe, I got a deal for you. For every hour that you spend coding, I'll play an hour of RoboCraft with you. <laughs> I think you know how the story's going, right? I now have five hours of RoboCraft I have to play this weekend. Have you have you played it yet? Well, we did it. We st- I started sort of the middle of last week, you know, before last weekend, and so I hadn't. He he had an hour and a half. He earned an hour and a half, so we sp- played RoboCraft for an hour and a half. Um, and so we started back again. We're both tier one, which is the lowest thing, and we go play. On, and what you do is you go on and 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 you cre- and you join a platoon. So we get thrown in with like ten other guys. Or, and, and then you just like, boom, boom, start, and you go out and you compete against 10. You're 10 against another 10, so we're blue and they're red or something. And uh, you go and you fight and you get blown up. You're like, die, you know, okay, I lost. But then I earn some credits and you go back and try and build your craft. Do you up. suck at it? Oh, yeah, I suck at it. <laughs> well, I mean, Colby says that I don't suck that bad. <laughs> he thinks he thinks I kind of suck, but he's like, he's, he's, you know, I think he's just trying to be nice. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, I'm not... I'm not a gamer. Like some of my friends, uh, you know, are gamers. So they're just naturals. They're, they're, they have the finger dexterity. They just have an innate sense about how to move characters and I don't know, whatever. I don't play enough games, so I'm not. Um, so, but I'm also not an imbecile. I mean, I can figure it out and, and do it. But it's funny. So he's trying to, he's trying to like, you know, show me stuff, but instead of telling me, he's like, well, he just start clicking on keys. Well, just take this, just do this, do this. And he's, I'm like, God, it's Kobe. I let me do it. I can't, I'm not going to learn if you do it for me. Yeah. And so the shoe is on the other foot, right? It's nice. like, you know how you want to lean over, just put a semicolon here. Yeah. Just do this. yeah. It's like, you know, like, sure, I can do that for him, but he's not learning. Just like he can go and just move here, add this armor, click here, move here, just pan over here. Dude. I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know what you're doing. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just do? You hit like 15 keys in a row. We went to four different screens. Like, what's going on? You know? And so it's funny. So he's the teacher. Yeah. He's having to be patient with me, but he's really excited about it. <laughs> I mean, he really, he's just the every time he's like, all right, you'll be another. That's three hours of Robocraft, three and a half hour, four hours of Robocraft, five hours so of Robocraft. Five hours. I'm just like, but is he, is he doing well with the coding? I mean, like, like is it, yeah. is it worth giving up the, Oh, Tom. yeah, he's like, you know, let's say there's 20 lessons in the entire HTML, CSS course, and he's in like a week and a half, he's 
he's up to like you know halfway through level eight you're gonna have to put a cap on that because like that's serious i mean there's that's a an opportunity cost right there yeah i mean five hours i guess i'm willing to pay pay it i mean a friend of mine was telling me that maybe i should think about the exchange rate <laughs> maybe two hours or three hours of coding one hour's rovercraft because you know i do want some free time on the weekends right right uh, but i am i do i would love it if he got really good at coding because he's like he, he's, he needs to jump back and finish the second JavaScript course. And there's a third one, which is more like events and, and DOM manipulation stuff. And But he wanted to jump up and do the HTML, CSS stuff. And then there's also like a couple Python courses. He's like, oh, I was messing around with Python yesterday. So I'm like, I don't really care what he does, you know, honestly. I mean, in fact, it'd probably be good for him to do all of it. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I'm also just not, I'm not, I'm actually not even engaging it. But every three or four days, I'd be like, hey, show me where you are in your course. And I'd be like, all right, so... Here I'm at level eight, and you can see my HTML page, and I have all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool, you know. But I'm just sort of it's like teaching him. I'm teaching. I'm let him drive it and direct it. I don't. I don't really want to manage and supervise it. I just kind of more self. Um, what's the word I want? Self mastery, self paced. Yeah, uh, self sufficient. He is the better, you know. And he's ten now. He's not eight, so he's getting that range, you know, where I think he can he can do a little more on his own. But uh, boy, it is—it's going to be a cost. It's going to be a lot of damn Robocraft in my future. It's funny. But here's the other thing too. This is something I had meant to bring up a few times in the show in the past. But you'll probably find this as as Jack gets older. But so like, you want to spend time with your kid, but it's funny. Like the things that interest you and your things are interest your kids are not the same. First of all, you're an adult and they're a child. And, you know, you can spend a little time playing with them, but as an adult, it gets boring really quickly. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, when, you know, when they're this age, you know, not even a year, year, two, three. I mean, it's just it's it's mind numbing to play. I mean, you, like, I love this child, but it's mind numbing to play with them for any length of time. You can kiss them and hold them and play with them and say like, OK, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you don't like to say that stuff out loud because your wife get mad at you and you're, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But that's the truth. And then when they get older, you're like. Like, you kind of say, like, I want to go, I want to play with them, but sometimes it's, like, hard to find something that you both want to do, that entertains both of you, that's not one of you just sort of humoring the other. Right. And, you know, you know, some, for Colby's now kind of in the range where we can do some of that, you know, where I'll be like, let's, hey, you want to go out and throw a football or something, but a lot of times he, he, he's not, I don't know, he wants to just play video games, and he just wants to play, he wants to play Robocraft or Kerbal Space Program, watch videos, he'd, you know, he likes going to football and baseball practice and stuff, but he's not. If I think you want to go to the park and just throw the baseball, he's like, yeah. Is it any good, the game? Yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, it's not like... I think a lot of people, you know, gamers, even adult gamers, would probably play it and probably like it. Yeah. I mean, um, it's not a child's game. Hmm. I mean, I bet you most of the people who play it are probably teenagers and people in their early 20s. I mean, it's, you know, it's you know mass platoon versus platoon combat and there's a lot of like strategy goes into building the best craft possible and how you're going to are how you're going to expend resources building armor versus weapons and, and versus movement and I, I don't know you know i mean i, I could, can imagine him and his buddies talking about it just like you know getting excited hey dude i got like a double booster you know just that kind of stuff like. yeah colby and eli who eli's in the math class and they they argue about it <laughs> you know, like they were, they were talking trash to each other about it. But <laughs> nice. Anyway, I just thought it was funny. You know, we, 
I don't like to, um, Sandy and I don't like to tell the kids, or if we can avoid saying you have to do this now because I said so, um, we, it, it's much better if you can give them incentives. So that, it, yeah. you mean, most of the time kids are not going to be motivated to do the things that you want them to do flat out. <laughs> right. So, but there are things that they don't mind doing or you want them to do a little bit more of or whatever. And, you know, whether it's reading or whether it's doing their chores more, you know, or picking stuff up or finishing their dinner, whatever it is, sometimes it's like, okay, setting up like incentives to do it. Like, Hey, if you finish your dinner with this new, we call try it food, you have 10 bites of the try it food, you get a cookie, you know, when did they start? When did they start their obsession with um, iPads and, and phones and that kind of thing? What age? Well, I didn't have an iPad and I mean, you know, but I didn't, I don't think I even had a phone until 2012. I, I got my phone. Okay. So it's, it's more about the technology. But Colby was already eight. Because Jack is eight months and he is obsessed with the iPhones. Yeah, they're all, they're all, they're all like that. All kids are like that. You online, all the parents are talking about how their kids are just you know, there's a lot of hand wringing about it. Like, oh, is it the? But it's because it's because we do it so much. They no, want to do it, right? No, I don't think it has anything to do with that. It doesn't matter with us. It's just it's it's captivating. They can well, do I mean, stuff. The, they can interact with stuff. They can watch well, games. An eight month can't interact with stuff. I mean, basically, the only thing that, that he just sees me and Georgie using it all the time, and I think that's the reason why he wants it. I can tell you, my kids care has nothing to do with it. Even right. Well, that's because they're, they're much younger. Even when Ari, well, even when Ari was younger, even like. And she was four, four or something. I mean, they just, I mean, it's games. It's fun. But they, they could use it. Like, he obviously can't use it. Like, an eight-month-year-old, like, he's just like, like, there's no way of using a touch screen when they're eight-month or whatever. So that's not the reason. Yeah, and, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of parents who are very anti-screen, anti-technology. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think there's enough data out to say one way or the other whether any of this stuff has any kind of, other, you know, measurable harmful effect or positive effect it's sort of like you know i mean anything taken to the extreme is bad but very few times are things taken to the extreme I mean, kids don't play if you yeah if you if the kid never played with actual toys or never interacted with other kids and spent 15 hours a day on, on a screen that's probably bad right but that doesn't happen because there's life and school and things going on they don't get to do that so i'm just saying that that whole discussion is kind of an interesting one but Sandy and I are very much on the, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, just... like, um, you know, our obsession with uh, our addiction to cell phones um, and screen time is what Apple are trying to fix with the Apple Watch. Did you know that? They're trying to fix it? Yeah, they're trying to make it so that we're not so obsessed with technology in the sense of, like, always checking our phone. Like, the, that, the point of Apple Watch is to give you so much haptic feedback and just quick glances that you can spend more time participating at the table when you're at the bar with a group of friends like right now if you see, if you see a group of people at the bar they're all on their phones right there's like the they're on their phones facebooking and speaking so like half the i think is you know like as i think a lot of life is just kind of boring right there's just a lot of times well, where but, just there's just a lot of temporary moments where you're just bored like um be, be, you're yeah, but the if, other people if you're at the bar like with a group of people you shouldn't really well, be on your well i don't know i'm just saying a lot of times it's boring you get a group of people you're not part of the conversation you're not interested in the topic this is boring and it's like that's what happens. I'm not saying that's polite, you, but you don't. I'm just think saying. That, I'm just saying that it is it, people. The reason people do it, I think, a large extent, is because whatever they're engaged in is not that engaging. 
Interesting. I don't, I think it's not that interesting. I think there's some. I think that it's it pulls you out of the conversation because there's dopamine hits of like getting an alert or whatever. I think it does. Like the conversation may be interesting, but you're just kind of pulled out of it because these alerts coming into you. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, if there's a if there are alerts coming in, but you know, same thing with your watch. You have this haptic feedback in your watch. You're going to be constantly interrupting you. Well, that's the whole point. It's like it's it's something that you don't have to act on. You don't have to like act on it in the same way. But it's still going to interrupt you. Like, bzz, get in message. Bzz, get another message. It's still going to like. It's, it's but still it's, like someone tapping. You it like, it is going to do. It is like that. Yeah. I, I don't believe that Apple's trying to fix crap. I just think it's another piece of technology they can sell. That mm. you know, I think that's just you know, that's just marketing PR spin. bullshit. But um, you know, yeah. I mean, see, the thing is that we're living in a world now where there's so much opportunity to do things that are entertaining that people have just don't have the patience to be bored anymore. They're just like, I don't, I'm not going to put up with it. I don't, I don't need to be bored. I'm not going to be bored. Boring, being bored sucks. Sitting in the dentist's office with nothing to read sucks. You know, sitting in a, you know, being forced to s- sit or stand or be somewhere where there's no information, there's nothing to think about. It just, no, it's is- true. It's like when, when I, when I'm doing my, um, in, in cats, the, the workout. Mm-hmm. So basically, well, it's not exactly a workout. It's the rehabilitation program. So there's a lot of time when everyone is, has an, maybe has an ice pack on their shoulder or You're whatever. Just sitting there. Just sitting there. And like everyone, like has like there's you know maybe 30 people there everyone's always on the phone as you know at any at any second that they're not doing an exercise or whatever phone comes out they're looking at the news yeah because if if you're not talk if you don't have something to read i mean you used to when i was at cats and you know they would have when you'd ice there'd be like a stack of magazines yeah. i'm writing like a sports illustrated from four months ago or something you know just like they go to the dentist's office, which, you know, I was all right. Or I would chat with some of the other people who were icing or the trainers. But, um, you know, nowadays people be just like, oh, like me, I, I'll do it all the time. Like, so I'm, I'm at the, I'm at Colby's baseball game. We're sitting there for an hour and a half, you know, in between innings, Colby already batted. Other kids are batting. He's not going to be doing anything. Well, I don't really care. I'm going to check Hacker News. I'm going to check the email. I'm going to read Cora for a minute. I mean, I'm watching, but it's like they had a pitch. The kid stands back. They get ready to swing again. There's a 20 second delay. Ah, missing. Then, I, then I'll watch a little. I'm kind of half in and out. You know, it's just not interesting. You're backgrounding the game. Yeah, it's just not that interesting. You know? I mean, in <laughs> Except less, for when Colby's pitch, yeah, batting. Well, Colby's batting, I'm 100% engaged. Yeah, it's yeah. my kid. I'm really excited to see how he does. He's been working on his batting. He's working on this. I'm going to see how, you know, or if it's a close game or if it's an important critical moment in the game. But there's a lot of times where it's just, you know, there's things going on that I'm just, it's not that engaging. It doesn't matter that much. Okay, we're ahead eight to nothing. Colby's not doing anything. I, I, who cares? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, or it's, a, or it's just a moment where nothing's happening. I mean, I, most of the time when action is happening, I'm paying attention. But so you just, don't think it's had any impact on like people's relationships? I think it's marginal. I mean, all the hand wringing that you read about, like, oh, we we've lost this in our society, we've lost that. We've, you know, I think what we've gained is is sort of uh, a cure for boredom. And then you'll read there'll be certain pundits who will talk about. I think Nicholas Carr is one of those type of people, like, oh, boredom is important to be bored because when you're bored, you know you know, X, Y, and Z good things happen. I don't know. When I was bored most of the time, it wasn't like I came up with amazing ideas. I was just bored. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a link to include in the show notes, but I can't talk about it because I haven't fully read it, but it does seem to discuss this thing we're talking about quite a lot called the essence of peopling. It was pretty high on Hacker News, mm-hmm. um, but it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, just talks about how technology has, has kind of changed the way that we view people and people view us and 
the models of the world and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think a lot of that stuff is probably. I mean, my guess is a lot of that is just kind of um, an overreaction. You know, it's it's minor. It's things are changing very minor in minor degree. I don't know, and I, I don't just think it's for the worse. But you also don't really use Facebook or something like that as well. I know I don't use Facebook, and it's yeah. not it's. You know, Which I think that, makes, you know, changes. It wasn't like out of principle. It was just that like when it came out, I think it was like 2006-ish was when it translated. Yeah. It went from college colleges to other people. And I was like, why am I going to get on this stupid college thing? You know, and a couple, I remember a couple other entrepreneur technology types like, hey, you know, you guys have to take Facebook. I'm just like, why do I care? Like it felt like, trend, like, felt like it was like a trend following kind of thing. Yeah. And it was, that's probably like a, sort of the position of a more curmudgeonly older person. Like, oh, I'm not doing this. You know, I'm not because everybody's jumping this trend. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, and, and it wasn't like it was like I had to like resist doing it. Like I so want to do it, but I'm not out of principle. Just like I, I don't, I don't see the point in it. And then it was like, um, I don't know. I just, I just never got into it and I just never did it. And Sandy, she set up account later on. I mean, it's been years now, but it wasn't like it was that early on. And, you know, she has what two hundred and sixty odd friends. I've seen a couple of posts from her. Like, I mean, I log in like barely ever. Yeah, so you you're a Facebook friender, so it's like I use I'll, it, but barely. Well, a lot of a lot of my friends, and you know, like Guyon and Louise are Facebook friends. You know, people that are more my are more connected to me. She still has them as Facebook friends, so she she'll tell me what's going on. Oh, did you know that this is going on with? I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, like. She'll like see pictures from Georgie or something, the baby, or like I find out through her what's going on. One thing on. that the Facebook does now is it basically, if it's anyone's birthday, it literally just like puts it front and center and gives you, puts the cursor blinking in the box for you to say happy birthday and hit return. So it's as easy as saying happy birthday return. So as a result, you get like a crap load of birthday wishes from all these people who you kind of don't really speak to that much, but it makes you kind of feel good. But, um, it's kind of funny, like uh, someone was saying, you could literally, it's almost like it's work to receive your birthdays because then you've got to kind of go and thank everyone. Yeah. And it's work to give people birthday thanks. So the next thing they're going to do is like automate giving people birthday <laughs> thanks <laughs> and automate receiving birthday thanks. So the whole thing's just going to happen. Have your people, have your bot talk to my bot. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have our bots go out to dinner together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go out to dinner. Let's have the bots do it. Yeah. Well, you know. And that comes into the whole conversation of like everything being automated. I mean, it's like things that can be automated ultimately will is the bottom line. Um, it, you know, from a personal perspective, why do things that you find tedious and boring, you know, if you can have, if you can just automate it out of it, you know, or you can either... Do, right have it automated the sense that it it, it doesn't you don't even have to do it at all or it's like it takes you a tenth of the time you know people just automate like i'm not gonna and for companies it's like if your company your company a and company b your competitor and uh, neither of you are automating it are automating are not automating some aspect of your business but then company b decides to mm -hmm. you're like well we're not going to have a principle because you know we have people on our employee that we care about and they're human beings and we know they take their job seriously and we want to give them you know well if all of a sudden this company can reduce their price prices because they're more efficient then you're going out of business 
you're at, you know, unless, because if you can automate stuff, you know, that, you're, that, that essentially makes it almost free, right? You know, com in comparison to a human being. And, or if, um, if they don't automate it, but they just figure out ways, other types of ways to become more efficient. And you're like, we don't have those, either that scale or relationship with production or distributors, and then you end up having to do it. And it's just like, it's sort of just inevitable that, you know, thing, if you don't automate, you're ultimately going to be relegated to the dustbin. You all become distinct, extinct. Um, so it's, um, you, on, on a different topic, did you, did we discuss on the show, Patrick McKenzie's Starfighter? You know, I've, I, I can't remember what that was. I've seen some posts about it. And what is it? Basically himself. And I think, so he's, he, he, he you got himself, he, himself. When you're doing something to yourself, you'd say himself, he is hitting himself. It's, a, so it's a, an he, Irish expression. It's not, it's a Justinism. We talked to Irish people. It turned out it isn't. It's just you. Himself. <laughs> it's a no, it is. It is an Irish expression. <laughs> uh, and if there's any Irish listeners. Oh, or, or, or it's the up. plural, it's the plural possess. It, that's what it's the, um, that you claimed was Irish, it turned out it was just you, because I talked to some Irish people, they're like, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, anyway. so, so himself. Himself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you got, you got to remember, you know, I mean, I like. You're not even Irish. I'm, I'm pretty uneducated. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even Irish. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what that's to do with anything. Um, I visited Ireland once. <laughs> so, I think, he, you know, he, I think he's number one on Hacker News, right? What do you Patrick mean? McKenzie, like just the most karma, the most karma. Oh, does he? I think so. Yeah, and then Wouldn't surprise I think, me. And then the guy who has the second most karma, I don't know if that's their connection, but I just happened to notice that the other day that they are the people starting this company. Yeah, the guy from security company, Starfighter. So basically, it's um, it's a new kind of recruitment process. Mm. So they'll lay out the games, which is a lot like what Colby's doing. They'll lay out the games, and then they'll be able to kind of you'll be able to answer answer the challenges with with code and then somehow i guess scored or whatever and then presented to uh companies as a candidate kind of a cool concept yeah 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 you know what's interesting though that's a good way to figure out if people can solve problems in code which is important if that's what you're hiring for yeah but obviously there's a lot of other things that go to making someone a good coworker, employee you know, than just ability to solve problems in code. It's, you know. You mean like their personality? Yeah. I mean, that's everything, which, you know, which you're basically is, you know, encompasses everything, you know, like, are, do they get, do they go off in the weeds working on some cool research problem and not solving what needs to be solved? Do they? Well, how the hell do you find that out? I mean, the other thing is, are they, you know, are they going to be a good remote worker or are they going to be a good in-office worker or are they going to be both? There's been a lot of talk about remote, remote versus in-office work recently. Yeah, there's some article. I, so that was one of the articles I had um, to read was called, like, if you want people to be more productive, let them work from home or something. Yeah, but there's, there's counter yeah. counterpoints to that as well. But it's kind of interesting. I think it, just like there are, there's the same arguments about, like, open office versus closed. Like, introverts apparently hate the open office plan because they get so distur disrupted by and distracted by people talking to them and feeling like people are in their space and they just feel uncomfortable, you know, and introverts you know, or people who are at least on the scale of introversion, introversion, extroversion fall, you know, um, more to that side that it's like, you know, you could talk 40% of the people or 30% of the people would much prefer not to be, not to be able to see, see everybody and hear people and whatever. Whereas like extroverts like me, 
I love open plan. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but would you do you get much done? I mean, like I find I get most stuff done when there's no one around. But I do also like open plan going and talking to people and bugging them and stopping them from doing any work. <laughs> right? Um, but there was one argument against um you know, closed door policy or remote working. So either just having like an office with a closed door or remote working was that the worker would tend over time, like over maybe five years time, would just end up working on projects that aren't really that important to the rest of the company because they're siloed. So they get the option to like research redundant stuff. Well, okay. A couple things. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just like, I said something. Oh, big shock. Jason's got a couple of accounting points. <laughs> yeah, <hold on. laughs> um, I think that can happen. Sure. But that really comes down to, um, who's ever sort of managing the team, right? So, like, if if you have, you know, let's say you just there's a guy man or girl managing a team of five or seven or ten people or whatever. Well, you're supposed to figure out like, okay, this is what we're trying to get done over the next month or week or month. What's everybody? What's everybody gonna do? So, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. All right, great. Anybody need help with anything? Cool, check in. And if you're not doing that and keeping on up to date with what people are doing and what needs to get done, then you know, people, if people can get away with kind of not working that hard and working with whatever, whatever's tickling their fancy on a particular day and there's no repercussions, then they will. Yeah. If you're like, dude, like you gotta, you know, you gotta get this thing. We need this thing done tomorrow because so-and-so is going to block on it, whatever. And people know that they're going to be held to account because the team is waiting. But it's like you're playing a soccer field. If one guy isn't running and marking his man defend, you know, defending the person he's supposed to be defending, everyone's gonna look at him and go, "What are you doing?" But if no one ever says anything and no one cares, if like it was like it was like invisible or something, then it's like, oh, "Why am I gonna? Why am I going to, uh, you know, stress myself out and work hard because I don't really feel like guarding this person? I'll just wait until we attack next and go transport." Well, so but I mean, you get work done, right? Well, yeah, I I do because, um, you know, I mean, at first of all, it matters on a person by person basis. Right. This, you know? that, I think that's this. My opinion it's is in, that's the crux of the whole thing. Well, it's a per, it's individual basis, but it also some people operate better independently. Other people don't. It also depends on how much um, where the, what what motivates them, and, and and also it's not like and that motivation isn't like this overarching like this is what motivates you as a person. Like, what is motivating like this couple weeks? Are you excited about this? Even for thing? this project, are you mo- are you working on something you're motivated to get done? You just feel like it's going to make a difference or you know that there are people who are kind of waiting for it and yeah. looking forward to seeing it's done. If if you're working at this company and no one seems to give a damn about it. Well, I think that's a huge motivator is that if you're blocking someone else, that makes you move faster. Or on the positive is you're like, there are a few people who are like, can't wait to see your thing when it's done. They're like, all right, you know, we need oh, yeah, to be done in a yeah. couple weeks. Like I'm working on the simulator um, for uh, Uber and... Um, you know, for the new real-time infrastructure. And I know there's a lot of groups who want to use it for all kinds of different things and they're really excited about it. And it makes me excited to work on it because I know they're all going to, it's going to make a difference. Yeah. You know, um, and, uh, but, you know, I think it just depends. You know, the thing is the problem is you say like open office versus doesn't work or working at home doesn't work. It's, it depends. It's more nuanced than that. It, de- it depends on the individual people, depends on sort of how things are organized and through the team, how how much you know? It just 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 it depends. Unfortunately, and which doesn't make for a very good uh, story. A lot of people are very like well, a lot of bosses I've seen are very um, very anti remote work. 
Very, very anti-remote work. Well, because people like power. Mm. People like to control other people. I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of people go into management. The reason they go into management is not just because, oh, I can make, if a manager generally get paid more money than the individual contributors, right? Yeah. And that's one reason you want a manager, but you get a higher status. I'm a manager. People report to me. There's no one I'm to manage the if they're all at home. Right. Yeah, I'm the boss. But the other thing is, um, people like power. I mean, the history is really a lot about the acquisition of power. You know, and you, you can look at it on a nation basis, but you can also look at it on in tribes or in even small groups of people. People search, seek out power. They want power. And, uh, you know, and even if it's in this sort of very limited basis, well, in this office for eight hours a day, you have, you are the boss and you have this very little bit of control over these people. Well, they still like that. People like power, bottom line. Um, so, and if everybody's spread out and you can't see what they're doing and you can't, you know, it's, you don't have as much control over everybody. They like control. And the other thing is, a lot of times when you have uh, managers who aren't um, technical enough to be able to really ascertain the quality of work that, people, that the people working for them are doing, it's hard to tell if they're working or not, right? Like, if you, let's say I was managing you, I wouldn't have to see you for six months and I'd be like, all right, you done with the project? Show me your code. Let's take a look at it. I got to look through it and five minutes ago, this is crap or this is awesome. Right. Or somewhere between. I could just go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Okay. Whereas somebody wasn't technical be like, I don't know. Should should you have done this in three weeks? They they would have no idea. Right. Right. And so um, I think I think that probably plays into it. And it's like if it's hard to measure. um, uh, If it's hard to measure, like, what does it mean to what does success look like? That sounds like well, well, at least I have what you feel working a lot of hours. I can say that, you know, I'm a manager. So if your team is like this, well, that's the thing that sucks is like when, when you're in an office and you're just sitting there for two hours, twiddling your thumbs, like waiting for the bell to ring and you're not really working. Whereas it'd probably be better if you were at home, just actually taking a break during that time and then working for the, you know, the time that you're in the zone and getting the job done. Yeah. Cause if I'm tired, I'll take a nap for half an hour. Yeah. You know? Or an hour, whatever. But, you know, I remember there's times when I, so when I go up to Uber like once every month or so, and, you know, because when I go up there, I, I end up going out to dinner with a lot of people and it just, it just the stress of, you know, traveling and seeing people, I'm, I'm just kind of a t- more tired than I normally yeah. am. And when I get in the office, like hit that afternoon, I get tired. I'm like, man, it's like yeah. four, three o'clock. I, if I was at home, I would take a nap for 20 or 30 minutes. And they I'd should have really beds fresh. there. Yeah, they build like, nap rooms. Well, Google, they do stuff like that. But I think even that is very limited because it's just awkward and, and everything to do that. And, you know, but to, but to, but I, but I couldn't, there's nowhere to nap, right? And it, it's just so, so what I do is I am spending like two or three hours not really work, being that productive because I'm tired. Yeah. I mean, just sitting there, my eyes are kind of red. I'm kind of, I'm working on some stuff. I'm kind of working with some people, but I'm not as nearly as primed and ready to go because I'm just, just tired. And that happens at home when I, Take a nap and I get up. I'm written and then I go, okay, now I'm going to go wake up, brush my teeth, put some water on my face, get a glass of water or something. Now I'm ready to roll, right? So you're, you're talking about uh, power there and it makes me wonder if you have any letters from the dark side. I don't. People love power, you said. 
That's very Letters from the Dark Side. It is. I don't really have... Um, well, you know, there was... Um, I to think... You know, I didn't prepare anything. I mean, there was something I meant to bring a couple of weeks ago I saw on a link. So, so, what, so what I'll do sometimes is I'll, like, um, have this... My a text document, my sort of big-ass text file yeah. thing, and I'll paste in, like, show notes or potential things to talk about. Yeah. Sometimes I do a good job of it, sometimes I don't. And uh, <laughs> there's one... And by a lot of times I have all these links, like, that are... I have hundreds and hundreds of links that we never talked about. Like, we just never got to. You know, they were the... They were the things that you're like oh it's an hour and a half we got to shut it down and i'm like crap i got like 15 more links so that they just if they're not if they weren't important enough to make it the next show they just were never raised so anyway one of them was about the um the two fbi agent or was an fbi agent one worked for the, the uh either the treasury department or the secret service that are both being indicted for stealing bitcoin from um the uh you know as part of the dread pirate roberts silk road hmm. um investigation so, so the 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 officials stole the bitcoin yeah the investigator so and it wasn't just like it was some sort of like procedural misstep where like well they're trying to move it into they set up a temporary account so they could move it into the fbi account and no no they set up fake companies and fake accounts and all this stuff to try and i mean it was like this very elaborate um attempt to uh to to steal why <laughs> they're gonna go to jail well because it's <laughs> well people want power, power and what money they want money and what else do they want they want fame and they want sex yes but okay so here's the thing that's just something that you can acquire with money power or fame yeah, but, but but ultimately you want that yeah, well people want food they want sex, but but yeah. the three yeah right sex is ex and especially for males i mean I, I females to a degree but not to the same degree and is is it is part of the equation for guys i mean i, I was joking like that you could you know, they talk about the Japanese, this Japanese engineering sort of mantra or method, which is like the five whys. If you want to get to the core problem, ask five whys, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, why do I do this? Why, why am I doing this? Because I need money. Why do I need money? So I can do this. Why do I so be so for sex? <laughs> 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 you know, so I can get a girlfriend. So I can, you know, or so I can get, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, that's a big part of it. You know, like what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind about why you want a lot of money? You know, <laughs> right? guys, even if you're married, well, so I can make my wife happy. So, well, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. So, um, but um, yeah, so I, I used to have this sort of theory that um, I don't think I ever discussed it on the show. Maybe I did, but years ago. But uh, the idea that um just like, you know, water, you know, water uh, can be transferred ice, which can be to vapor or whatever, you know, you can have these different um, forms of, of matter, yeah. right? um, states of matter. And I think the same thing can be said, I think you can transfer, transfer money into power, into fame, any one into the other. There is some loss overall in the process, in the friction, but you can't. So if you're really fame, if you're famous, famous people can make money with their fame yeah right um and if you have money it's easy to get to hit power with money you, you, you haven't said this yeah so once you have money you can get power right right i mean i can go and hire people i can in i can decide to you know lobby or influence politicians and get power that way i can you know buy positions into uh, to the board or uh, you know put myself on the board of various companies i can you can put yourself in position of power if you have wealth right I have power, I can create wealth, right? We see that in, in, in Washington all the time. Once you have power, you can 
redirect how um, money is flowing and some portion of it is going into your bank account one way or another. You need a name for that, like like a meme meme name, like transversibility or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it'd be the new lock surface. I mean, it'd be surprised. It would be surprised to me if like some Greek philosopher hasn't talked about this, you know, two thousand years ago or something. But you know, and someone's probably gonna put. Thing. Like, oh yeah, Plato talked about that in the Republic, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, because <laughs> it's so obvious, but, you know, with any, if you have enough of any one three, you can use that to get whichever one you want, right? Sometimes you have to go two steps, but so just. So, so fame, fame, money, or power. Right. Just like if you, if you have they ice translate. water, you can transform it into any other state. If you want. But there's going to be some there's going to be some energy loss. That's right. Yeah. Right. So just just pick a state. So you have somebody who's really famous. They, they don't have. Well, okay. I was going to say let's say power. Like you have a president who basically doesn't earn that much. Well, right? guess what? Guess how rich they become after the president. Right. Exactly. Their yeah. Speaking fee, like a hundred thousand dollar speaking fee. Right. Or two or half a million, a quarter million dollar speaking fee, and they become incredibly wealthy after. Um, you know, but even even lower level politicians like um. You know, senators and uh, Congress people. I mean, they they on average become much more so enriched. Is it just that trifecta that works in, in your opinion, or is there any? Is, I think is there any? I, I think those are the three fundamental states. The three fundamental states. You okay. know, I think, um, yeah, and so people, and and ultimately, and some people are more interested in one than the other, right? Like some people, are like I want to be wealthy and I want to be famous, you know. They exercise a certain amount of power with their fame. So people who are famous, even if they don't have any direct control, like people working for them, or even if they don't even have their own entourage and people kissing their butt because they're people in general treat them with a lot tend to treat them a lot more respect, right? Mm. Because they're famous. You know, they're like, oh, that's someone famous. Don't you know who I am? Well, you know, even like these these sort of minor league celebrities, like you see them in a restaurant or club, they get special, special treatment. You know, people treat them special. Yeah. You know, wow, you're a big deal. You're a celebrity, right? You know, and um, and if you're, you, you know, and uh, some people, you know, want are more interested in power. They want to make people or the world or things happen in the way they want. They're less interested in fame, but they're more interested in in in, uh, in the power aspect of things. You know, and everybody, you know, because people are, are a little different. Did you see Netflix um, House of Cards? You know, I've only watched the first season. Sandy and I are kind of th- thinking about maybe starting the second season this summer. Right, yeah. That's the kind of like just power kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. He's more, you know, pure power. I mean, there are some people don't want fame because it brings too much attention to them and they're afraid that that can, um, that limits their freedom in some ways. I mean, sometimes when you're, when you're famous, it's just like you, you become, a, you get, you, you're stepping into a certain kind of a prison, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, because at the end of the day, even if we all want, or most of us want those three things in some, to some degree, the ratio which we want each one is different, mm. I think. People are different. Or, and they could change over time. You know, like, there are times when you're, like, younger and you're like, I want to prove myself. I want to be on the front of, like, you know, Time Magazine or something, right? <laughs> and later you're like, no, I don't give a crap about that. Like, I just want enough money I can do what I want, right? I just like, want to get a nice house in Pasadena. Right. Well, you say that now, but once you have a nice house, then you might decide that you... No, I was figuratively house. speaking, not about me, I was just saying. Right, but, you know, it changes over time, as you, I think, in your, in, as, as people, their priorities or whatever they care about. But And that's probably biological or biochemical, like our the hormones in our body and things change, and then it's like, you know, you, you wanted fame because it served 
it was a little more useful when you're in your 20s. Famous in your 60s is probably not important. More probably starts leaning more towards power. Right. I want to just sit behind the scenes and I could just kind of play, be the puppeteer. Because you can have <laughs> more sex in your 20s, you see. Right. I think, I think fame is way... Well, hey, man, it's like... Uh, what was it? I think movie it was watching and they were talking about... Uh, I don't know, was it, maybe it was Almost Famous, or one of those movies about these rock stars. It's like, yeah, why did you get, you know, for the sex, for the girls? Yeah. For the sex, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, that was the kid who was, like, the reporter who went on the tour with them. Yeah, I mean, it might have been the movie. I, I kind of felt like it was in a different one, too. But, I've, it's, I mean, that's a common thing. They say it's, you know, it's for the sex or for the <laughs> girls, right? I mean, you know. But later, um, not that that ever completely goes away even entirely, I think, even when you're in your 60s, but it's, like, you start leaning more towards and the other other states of that become more useful to you. Yeah. Anyway, that's just my theory. Hence actors turning into politicians. Yeah. yeah. They can start leveraging their fame and they turn to power, right? They leverage their fame, they turn them into actors and the money, it was fame and money, and then it, it starts becoming more power. The governator. Well, he's going to handle three. So, um, speaking of power... Yeah, I got, a, I got an interesting um, superpowers. Right. So uh, it was last weekend. The week before that, that time I, I took Colby to see the Imitation Game. No, you did not. Yeah, I think that was last. I've heard good things about that. Oh, it was great. So we went and saw it at the two dollar theater. Who, who who is in it? Um, Cum, Cumberbatch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's its kind of general th- vibe thesis? Well, I mean, it's just a sort of. It's just his biography. It's sort of just about him, and it's specifically Who's, breaking the uh, the German code in the uh, machine. Oh, right? so, so was it t- Turing? Was it Turing? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Turing. Yeah. So uh, Alan Turing. Um, and I've read I've read his, his biography, which apparently you know I was reading the credits. And they were based it on I think it was um, the, the the I think the the title of the book I think was The Enigma by yeah. Hodges. Yeah. Which I, I read that like I don't know fifteen years ago or something like that, but um. Uh, it was fantastic. And it's one thing they showed at the end is that they, be, they, the best estimate is that war ended about two years earlier than it would have and, and most likely saved the lives of about 14 million people by the fact that they were able to break the code and they were able to understand what the Germans are planning and then, you know, circumvent them, you know, kind of what, what you, know, or, you know, they would have the advantage in all these situations. But one of the key things is like, just because you figure it out, you can't exploit it because once the Germans think that you've broken the code, they're going to change, they're going to change their whole mechanism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was a whole sort of second phase of it. It's like, it's not just about beating the code. It's like, what statistically speaking, how many of these things can we, can we discover accidentally? And how do we like, launder that information so that it's plausible that, that that the allies may have figured that out by just luck or some other mechanism spying mechanism or something. and was was Turing involved in that as well oh, like yeah. yeah 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 statistically deciding yeah i mean i don't want you know but the, the movie's all about that it. It was fantastic um i would definitely recommend it so it was funny so colby and i are coming back and i go like so colby do you see how math is a superpower <laughs> i mean how many people did superman save 14 million I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like the, the, you know, what, what they were able to do with math, what Turing and his group were able to do. I mean, it was just one example, but 
you know, it was a combination of math and, you know, uh, the computer they built to, to, to run the computations. But um, I said, Colby, so I'm, I'm trying to give you and, and, you know, the kids of the class a superpower. The combination, the ability to be great at math and be able to apply it through the ability to write code is it's just incredibly powerful. So I've got an interesting factoid about this. My grandmother was a secretary to those people. Oh, at Bletchley Park? Basically, yes. And she, she would never say a word about it till the day she died because of like when the, did secrecy, she die? the secrecy of it. Um, I guess around 15 years ago. Because, you know, it came out around 95 and like it became declassified in 95. Yeah, she, she did. So it became she, declassified you know how like when, when old people, sometimes old people are just like, no. You know, even though it's been declassified, yeah, yeah, that doesn't care. Just didn't want to say anything about it, but yeah, that's she worked for the and and um, yeah, they had a big secretary pool, yeah, you know, a lot of women who lived on campus there or took a bus in, and they were, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they covered a little bit of that in the uh, but she must have met him, not necessarily, she may not have known who he was, yeah, I mean, they, they had a lot of uh, mathematicians and yeah. code breaker types running around, but she was definitely involved in the code breaking side of it. That's the only piece I know. Oh, was she? Yeah, some somehow you know in that group. Well, what they had is um, they had a lot of uh, a lot of these women who were listening to the signals and transcribing them and mm. creating all the notes. And well, okay, we heard this transmission, and oh, they okay. create this, and that's sent down. I mean, unless she was a mathematician, which I'm guessing she no, wasn't. No, 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 she wasn't. And she wasn't like actually breaking it. She was just trying to keep track of. Yeah, yeah which they had to get a lot of people because a lot of communications that they're monitoring and, and recording. And it wasn't like you know these like it's over the internet now, and you just you know turn on your your uh, listening machines, <laughs> the NSA, and record everything. It's like, you know, radio transmissions of various kinds. Yeah. So uh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That movie sounds cool. I would recommend it. What, so what's it called again? The, the Imitation Game. The Imitation Game. Yeah, I, I definitely give it a thumbs up. I think it was, it was right, given like an 8.1 on IMDb. Yeah. Which, in, anything's in the in the eights is, is going to be a really good movie. I mean, nines is, are like the best, very best movies. Um. As long as you like the genre. I, yeah, I mean, so, right. So there's no accounting for taste, right? I mean, I'm just saying most people would think it was a very good movie. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as objectively a great movie, I guess. But um, other than saying that, if most people think it's really good, I guess it would be the best scoring mechanism. So do you have any more links? I got, well, I got topics. Uh, let's see. The links. topics. Yeah. Topics. Topics. Okay, let's see. Um, so, um, yeah, okay, so, uh, you know, I was supposed to have Caltech come by this week to visit our math Oh, class. they're going to do an observation, yeah. Yeah, they were going to come, but unfortunately, like, uh, the day before, I discovered that half the class was going to be gone on a field trip. Oh. So we have, the kids go to four different, um, uh, they're all, they belong to four different fourth, fifth grade classes, so they pull out, and so... You know, it's not like we're always in direct communication and the teachers, no one bothered to mention it to us. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to be here I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, we're going to the Norton Simon Museum. I'm like, what? Who? Well, Miss Ganji Hall's class and Miss Rob. I'm like, ah! So I had to email them at the last minute to uh, push it to next week. So that's this, this coming week? Yeah, it's this Thursday show we're coming in. And, you know, it just, it's actually trying to be better because this last couple weeks we've just been covering, uh, we've just been reviewing yeah. all of the Algebra 2 and Trigonometry stuff we've done this year. and. Algebra 1, Algebra 2, and Trigon. But I want to start getting into combinatorics, combinations and permutations and stuff, um, which 
you know, I was kind of working with Colby. I'm like, okay, Colby, so let's say that you had a combination lock in each one of them. You had three of those little dials, zero to, not, zero to 10, how many different combinations do you have? Okay, well, what if you, they had to be three separate numbers? Like, oh, I can see, like yeah. If you, had, if you use a nine in the first one, you could not use it in the second two, right? And you use yeah. a nine in the first one, a seven in the second one, it could be a nine and seven. You know, um... So we were talking about common, and I was, you know, we were talking about that in the car a little bit and explaining to him. So we're going to do it next week, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking we might, um, I might try and get them to derive, see if they can, through experimentation, come in a good approximation, if not derive the formula for combination and permutation. Once I, first I'm going to explain to them what a factorial is, which is like three factorials, three times two times one, five factorials, five times four times three times two times one. That's, it's just like a factorial is like a number with an exclamation point after it. Um, I'm telling you this since I know you're not a really math guy. So I like, <laughs> like, talking like, about. Whoo, yeah, I know. Over so, my head. so anyway. I'd like to be a math guy. I mean, that's something that I want to do one day. Like, look into it. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to do more to look into it. I was thinking, I, I was thinking <laughs> that as, as um, Jack was like learning, maybe I could start out with him. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's when funny because once you get to like, well, it depends on where your math fell off, but, you know. Never started. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if it's middle school, fifth grade, like fourth, fifth, sixth Like, I don't know the tw- the 12 times table. You don't exactly. even know your multiplication facts? No. Yeah, that's third grade. Right, so it's like low. So why did that happen again? Um, just, like, issues at school, you know, moving around. Moving around. Just, just, just you not... Go, you changed schools? Yeah, changed a lot of schools. Um, just didn't, it didn't go well for me at school i just wasn't i just fucking hated school you know how did you why were you changing school so much uh, just because of like issues at school you'd have a bad experience at one school because you were getting bullied yeah you get bullied at one school and you go to another school yeah would you get bullied at that school too yeah pretty much to <laughs> get bullied kicked well, you got the, the, the bullying's about the character that you are so it comes from the person that you portray to other kids uh-huh. so so you portray a certain way and it hits their hot buttons like Oh, there's a target, you know. <laughs> so right. that's Whatever you're doing, yeah. it was like it didn't matter where you go. So it's funny because we have one kid in our class, the math class, and who, unfortunately, we're going to lose like five, six kids. And I've been trying my hardest to convince the parents to keep them with us for the next three years because I'm just like, look, they're going to be so advanced they're gonna be so good at math and physics and you know probably teach them programming i mean they're gonna be ridiculous but a lot of parents just they don't think they quite understand they don't wait the they don't they don't look at the world the way i look at it which you don't understand they see it in their own way and uh, they don't they don't like i see how the world is i see what the future is gonna be like i see what these kids are like i'm like i can make these kids even if they choose not to do this specifically i can give them a massive advantage the parents don't get it okay so i've talked about that of course i won't go into it anymore but one of the kids is leaving because he, according to your parents, he's, you know, getting bullied. At the school in general. Bullied. And it's funny. I see him in the class. I'm like, he's asking for it. Right. Like, he, it's like, and I, Sandy and I was going to talk about it. And I'm like, why do you think? Does he annoy the other kids? He annoys the other kids. And the reason is, um, it's like. He doesn't know how to interact the right way. He doesn't know how to just socialize the way he has to get, nor to get attention. I mean, everybody wants attention, but there's ways of getting attention. But like, hey, man, how's it going? Joke around, whatever. And then if I'm trying to get attention, so I'm going to steal your pencil or I'm going to cough on your face, in your face. 
or I'm going to, you know, like he's like, you know, well, it's often a learned behavior. You know that, right? It's kind of it's passed down through the generations. So, like the way that the parents interact with the kid, essentially, I don't know. Can kind of create. I, don't know. I mean, maybe I. I think this kid. I mean, I've seen this kid the last few years a little bit, and he's, he's just he's kind of got that nerdy. He's just you know some kid. You know, it's like you look at the spectrum of how athletic somebody is, mm-hmm. or how good at math. They just kind of have the math gene, or they just have the artistic gene, and they could just draw. And there's some kids who just know are just socially good. They're just right on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, they know how to talk to people. They make people want to be around them. They people want to listen to them. Mm. And you have kids on the other end of the spectrum. It's just like, well, whatever it is they're doing or not doing, they're just irritating and pissing people off. Yeah. And I see what he's doing, and I have to constantly, you know, I'm constantly, stop. Stop I don't know that. how you train, I don't know how you, like, retrain someone to, out of that. I mean, my, my behavior is, like, I mean, I like the, those behaviors, like I, you know, even still now I'm trying to like get rid of them. Like it, it's like your whole life you you work well, at. It's who you are, yourself. right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a change of you are. It's a change of these, these sort of, well, you have these instinctual things that you want to do. Right. And it's so hard not to do them. So like, for instance, for me, Sandy's always joke. She's like, if you think something is coming out of your mouth. Right. It is hard for me when I'm thinking something to just not just say what I think. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, oh, I want to say this. You know, and sometimes I'll force myself not to say it just to say that I can actually control my behavior. But it's hard. And I don't, I, I, a lot of times I just like, ah, screw it, I'm saying it. And so I mean, that's just an example of like, there's something I, I have this, uh, I'm compelled to do, or it's an instinctual reaction, and I keep myself from doing it. Can, my, can I rationally override? And it's hard. Well, even last night, the thing that I've been thinking a lot about recently is being overbearing. And because it's just a problem that I've got because both my mum and my dad are hugely overbearing. And even last night, when we were when we were there, like I just knew the right movie to watch for these people. I just knew what the right movie to watch was, which was Chef, which is just for this crowd, it was mm. the right movie. And I just couldn't stop myself from like just making everyone watch that movie, right? Right. So just being overbearing about it. And it's it's difficult to to not. And I know that that's not a pleasant experience for guests who come over to your house. They don't want to be like forced to watch, watch a specific something. movie, yeah. right? They want to choose their own movie. This is your aunt and cousin. Yeah. yeah, they want to choose their own movie, but it's like, and and I knew, uh, like, I could see, I could, I could was watching myself say, and I was saying to myself, "Don't do this, don't be overbearing, this don't is the, force this." Is the this. pattern, this like, is the this pattern. Is, yeah, this is the pattern. Don't just let them have their own experience. And I still couldn't like not say it. Yeah. So it's just still happened. Did they get a little irritated? No, it's like my, well, my aunt went to bed early, and the, and uh, my my cousin he enjoyed it. it. Was it was a good movie? Yeah, but your aunt go to bed because she was just annoyed, slightly annoyed. I, like, I, I'm I guessing. Want, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, you, you, we're not gonna watch something I want to watch. Yeah. I, just, I don't want to fight with my nephew. I'm just gonna go to bed. But do you? So is yeah. is that the same kind of thing you're talking about, where you just feel compelled to like just yeah do this thing, this pattern? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I have a lot. We all have our negative patterns, right? You know, um, and uh, you know I have plenty. I have plenty of negative patterns. Um, and I, sometimes I can't, I'm, sometimes I'm successful at, um, at, uh, reining them in a little, sometimes I'm not, you know, but it's especially difficult with, a, with a, like being a parent with kids, especially if your negative pattern is being overbearing. Right. So I'm like, I really want to knock it on the head before he starts talking. And I really don't want him to do that. You know, what well, I mean? you know, you know, there's a big debate about, uh, nature versus nurture. So, 
it's since it's so hard to pull apart like well if jack becomes overbearing like let's 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 fast forward 18 years jack's gone to college and you're like yeah you know i think he's gonna do one college but he's kind of overbearing was that my fault and anyways is it your fault well, or did he get the, did he get the justin vincent gene but you can't there's no gene for overbearing well yeah dude so much of this stuff i mean look i'm much more a nature than nurture is is which is ironic considering how much effort I put into trying to make, you know, like Colby and these kids successful and stuff. You know, that's all nurture, right? Mm. And I, you can, if you push, I believe if you go much further than the average, you can make a difference. Remember when I read that article? I cited that, that study that said that, you know, it doesn't matter how much time you spend with your kid, just be rich or whatever. Yeah. You know? And, and, and the reason is because most people don't do that much different than other parents, hmm. you know, but they, there's this very, there's this range that most parents operating and it's just not enough to move the needle, you know, from what they're going to do, you know, from the kids. But if you're way to the far end, you're very abusive or extremely neglectful or, you know, then yeah, you can screw up a kid who probably would have been fine, hmm. you know, vice versa. If you're like, I believe that if you're, really supportive and really invest in some things that happen to uh probably go with the grain with the kid anyway you could probably move the needle you can make beat the difference between making them you know moderately or successful to extremely successful at whatever they're doing you know i think i spoke about it spoke about it in the last show like uh, i just find myself thinking a lot about the nature of the mind like are we just a are we a computer program could we swap out subroutines kind of remove that component of ourselves well yeah this is the problem you know like what what are we are we the meat in our head you know are we literally just the meat that the, like the, the fires, wiring the circuit that fires electrons and then that creates our consciousness yeah or is there something else about it? like it, it, i mean well you can see like when people have brain damage everything changes you know people have their people who like there was this thing on radio lab a few years ago where like if had this one injury in the brain like the person would have a conversation where they could make new memories two minutes later a reset and they would have the same reactions no matter what it was like a computer program really so so you so you think you could literally with a scalpel get rid of overbearing well i mean once they i mean i that that is probably very complex because it's probably some very intricate um interplay between a lot of different things but you know but it's but okay so i'm just saying the brain you are so the brain the sum total of what your brain's wiring but the is. brain is okay so so what you're saying is the brain is is meat but the stimulus comes in the brain is matter i mean i don't uh, meat uh, you're, you're like you're, okay you're, matter okay the brain people is, say meat space and meat as, as the sort of weirdly pejorative way as if it's something i mean it's just okay it's so matter. the brain is matter right, right? and and income through the visual stimuli and the audio stimuli right and, and so that's that stuff comes in and somehow imprints on that matter to change the hardware inside the head like it actually changes the meat for want of another word matter changes the, the changes the, the matter neurons, the, the neurons yeah, the, the neural and so so it's it's this kind of etheric stuff coming in through your eyes and ears which changes the actual physicality of what's going on in your head and then you act in a new way moving forward. Yeah, but I mean, some things are harder to change than others. Like, so just you watching a movie about something or reading a book isn't going to change who you are. Just like 
running a program or, or, or storing some data on your Mac isn't going to is going to change the wiring on your Mac. You know, I mean, it's like your MacBook Pro, and, and, and I, I know the analogy with the brain, the computer is is sort of very thin, and we overuse it, but just you know, our brains, just all humans. I mean, our brains are you know we are made up of lots of different you know the cerebellum and this you know and whatever and all these different parts that do different things and responsible for different things and they operate a certain way. So that's, that's true for everyone. And then everyone's individual brain seems to be sort of biased towards certain things and an unbiasing them to do other things seems like it's very hard. You know, it's Do you think not, it's possible though? I think, again, I think these things are possible taken with, the, with enough effort, but it usually takes a ton of effort. And that's why statistically this stuff doesn't show up very often because most people are unwilling to do it. You know, it's sort of like, can you take someone who weighs 500 pounds and is ridiculous out of shape and turn them into a triathlete, a, a competitive triathlete? It is possible. But if you took a thousand of those people, you get almost zero of them to that point. It's especially interesting because that is a, so much a mental pattern as well. It's that, so, so that's a mental pattern that's ingrained in the physicality of your brain that makes you addicted to overeating. It's freaking yeah. crazy. Yeah, so, like, so if you had a thousand people sign up, you might get one or two people who might make it through. So, so but on a percentile basis, it would be almost considered an outlier, which you just shave off. So statistically, it's not. It's, so therefore, people look at statistics like, well, it's just not possible. It's like, well, no, you had a couple people did it. They're like, well, that's an outlier, and we just disregard it. So, do you th so then would you think that, okay, so going with the theory that nature versus nurture, so the stuff gets ingrained into your physical brain, and then you produce semen, on a regular basis, somehow that pattern is no. transferred into no. that into the, the no, DNA. No, 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 no. The okay, there's there's a term for this. I used to do you know when I used to play around with genetic algorithms, they they sort of have a term for um, can you transfer non-genetic like learned traits genetic material somehow you know and there's a word for it like there was some misunderstanding but wasn't there some uh, some even some recent article about memories being in blood or something what yeah i saw that somewhere on hacker news or something like that i don't know i i think stuff like that is there's like they put they know they proved they they, proved, they proved it they proved it with a with a with a worm they did it in a in an oh no it was about eating oh yeah it was it was something along the lines of that that typical worm that they use they they made the worm eat other worms that had a learned behavior, then they never gave that, they never showed that worm the learned behavior and it reacted the same way as the other worms. So, it, like so, the, so the learned behavior transferred somehow. Sounds like the TV show iZombie. <laughs> Have you watched iZombie? No, I have not. But if anyone knows that, that study, please do post a link to it because I, that's, that's, I, I, think, I know it's contentious, but I don't think it's... Okay, quick aside. First of yeah. all, iZombie, a new TV show where she's a, this, this girl becomes a... Um, she, she was in medical school and then she gets turned into a zombie. She gets bitten by or scraped, scratched by a zombie. So she becomes a zombie, dies, but then so she gets a job as a coroner in a morgue. So now she has access to brains. Right. right. So if she doesn't eat brains, then she go she becomes full on zombie, you know. If not, she'd be just become someone who looks really pale, who look, you know, kind of looks like an albino with, you know, dark eyes and you know, she can kind of act like a normal person, but she has to eat brains. But if she eats the brains, she sort of takes on sort of the mental capabilities. Well, how many of the episodes? 
like five or six. It's good. Uh, it's cute. Uh. They explain all this in the first like seven minutes of the show. So it's not like I give anything away. Uh, it's very cute. Sandy and I, I said, we were like, it was like on, um, what's that sh- uh, network that has stuff like uh, Smallville and, and uh, Arrow and stuff? CW? Yeah. It's like a CW thing. Yeah. So it was surprisingly good. Um, I don't think we've ever watched a CW sh- uh, show. But, did you uh, Did you cute. watch that show? I can't remember it. Dark something or other. The the one that everyone keeps raving about. Black Mirror. Or yeah. Black Mirror or something. Yeah. I haven't. It's on oh, my haven't? list of things. All right. Yeah. Have. Okay. But um, but back to the whole thing. So I would say I don't. As far as I understand it, I don't think there's any mechanism for learned behavior to be transferred through genetic material to your offspring i don't know why not it's it makes purely, sense because your genes don't change no but your it, gene look but i mean but evolutionary from, it would make it would make sense no, 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 that if you learn a skill to make tools that you would pass that on to your kid it makes sense from an evolutionary point of view you, it makes sense to you that it would be nice if it would yeah exactly but it doesn't mean that it has because the your genes is don't change your your genetic your your the genes from 30 years ago from genes now haven't changed yeah, but it's not. There's not just the genes in there, and there's that's all, what you're transferring. But it's not just the genes. There's also that all that other gunk around the genes that no one has any idea what is. Who's to say that? Re- remember, like all the all the kind of weird dark matter around the genes, like the kind of filly uppy bit that everyone says is Ooh. just junk. Okay, so what you're talking about? Okay, so when when you're on a chromosome and you have what they call um, there's there's sort of I can't remember interons and I, I don't know. There's sort of, so so there's encodings. For specific proteins and right. stuff, and then there's like in there, there's certain sequences where it's like this doesn't code for anything, and then later that, that does code for things. It's not junk DNA. You're talking about junk DNA that is still on the chromosome. It's just like it's like lines of code that you thought were commented out, but it turns out that they're not really commented out, right? right. It's actually part of it. So you should probably just do some reading on this. this is <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a, my, a, you know, I, I'm not a geneticist, but I. You know, I took genetics in college, and right. I know enough to go. I'm pretty sure that that's not okay. True. Well, because for example, DNA matching wouldn't work if it changed. Through. Right, it doesn't yeah. make it. I don't. There's no mechanism for that to happen. Um, you know, I I don't know. Plus, I just think they're probably confounding factors that is so people. Okay, well, I, even before I get into that, the you know, there was just a study. I just read about this last night, um, and so I guess these the one of the big psychology journals decided they're no longer going to accept studies that are using p values as a um as a to demonstrate significance do you know what p values are nope so i'm not, I'm not going to big de- explanation of it first of all because i'm not a statistician i'm not an expert on it, but generally you would run this um basic statistical st- test of statistical significance to say okay well we ran this test on you know, 100 patients and X number of them showed this behavior. And we ran this through our statistical statistical significance. And it shows that the probability that this would that this that we would have seen this randomly occurring as opposed to having actually something real happen there is like less than half a percent or something or less than, you know, it depends if we have five, one percent or half percent or whatever their sort of criteria is. And it turns out that like it's less 20 or 30 years, it has just been abused and completely misunderstood and misused. So they're like across the board saying we are not going to accept anything like that, which is leaving a lot of scientists like, well, what do we do then? <laughs> like, how do we determine whether our study is demonstrating is truth or random? And I guess they're going to look into using um, 
some uh, Bayesian uh, statistical tools. They're going to try and uh, they're trying to create some open source framework where they can use these Bayesian um, tests to, to do mm. it. But anyway, I think we've seen a lot of weird results. We've talked about the show once. Well, there's a study that said this. That's really weird, you know. And I think sometimes that stuff that seems like too good to be true or too hard to believe. And what was a study? Well, maybe that study was not, you know, we talked about how a lot of studies were not peer reviewed. We mm -hmm. talked about how there was a whole a few years ago, this whole new um, effort to like peer review and reproduce results. It was all these psychology studies were not peer reviewed. They were not reproduced. I mean, they're peer reviewed, but they were not reproduced. They called so it the reproduced. So, so the kind project. of one about like people walking, uh, I, there was one like, if if some kids walk into a room that has some cake, and then they walk down the corridor and there's a piece of cake, yeah. and then they take then then fifty percent of them don't take the piece of cake walking down the corridor kind of thing. Like those are the ones All that are not, kind of weird. not well produced. Yeah, well a lot of the yeah a, a huge percentage of things. I think in psychology things are not uh, experiments are not reproduced like they are in physics. You know maybe it's because of lack of funding or it's the culture of that subject or i don't know why but like you know if you go out you try and prove some you, you say hey we've discovered this new physical phenomena well you know no one's gonna accept it unless you can they should just that. make a rule that says it can't be published unless it's been reproduced and then that way you have to do tag tag team well you don't with tag team it's just like you know you because you don't want them uh the other labs you know like hey we're working together right it's like well the, they want well no, no you come up with a theory and then you choose a lab to test your theory and then they come up with a theory and then they choose lab to test your theory Okay, so a couple things interesting. So one, what, one thing is is called the reproducibility project. We talked about this about three years ago, right? So that was a big effort to sort of, but a lot of there's a sort of backlash. You're like, oh my god, this is making us look really bad that we you're bringing to light the fact that we haven't reproduced anything, right? Right. Um, the the other thing is that they've shown that in a lot of studies, and a lot of these studies tend to be psychology type of studies because first of all, they're kind of things that are. I don't know, they're fun. To, we read about them on the paper or the or newspaper and magazine or stuff because they're so fun to talk about. Yeah. But there's a, um, a bias in the sense that a huge percentage of what we read about are their positive results. It's not like, oh, we read this test, turns out it doesn't happen. Like, you don't publish studies like that because they're boring. You know, but if you say, oh, we read the study and it turns out this is true, right? <laughs> so it's just like you get this bias towards that. And then also you... There's sort of this negative bias for like, hey, we just go around disproving everyone else, every other lab's results. Like, it's sort of like boring for them to do that. Nobody wants to do that. It's hard to get funding for that. You know? We surveyed a thousand women and we found out it is true. Blondes do have more fun. Yeah. Or it's like, well, you know, we weren't for that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think, I mean, you can understand from just human psychology why you wouldn't spend your, a lot of time just debunking other labs, getting funding, writing grants just to disprove other, other studies. This is not really interesting. Right, yeah. And so when we end up getting a lot and of... It gets in the way of your own studies as well. It just, it's just boring and, and journals don't want to write about it because it's not, I don't know, it's just not exciting for, uh, I guess, the, the research community at large, much less, you know, the population. And it's like, oh, yeah, we proved pretty much what everyone thought anyway, you know, okay. We've reestablished what you would have guessed, you know, um, or we've just debunked XYZ. But um, I just think people feel bad. You know, spend all the time. All I do is I make enemies and make people. Because because when when it, when a when a lab a researcher when they post some results that are really exciting and nobody really realizes this fall and it's true, 
and they get a lot of attention. They get on, they get interviews, they get more grants. They, you know, maybe they write a, a book for, for the lay audience, you know, but then it's like, oh, we're going to debunk all that stuff. It's just a negative. It's attack. And so like, people probably don't want, I don't think you want to do it. Okay. It's one hour 27. We should, pr let's, let's find out how, um, if there's any updates on Mill Valley Code and Club <laughs> or any of your other interesting projects. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we, I just talked to, I just called Doug yesterday. Um, so yeah, like I said, I call, I, he's a buddy of mine. So I just like to call just to, just to hear what's going on, just as an excuse to talk. You know, that's what the best thing about, or one of the best things about doing this investing in the, in the company but we are now almost at 250 kids mm. and we were just at 220 like i don't know like a month ago mm. so things are going well um we're we're growing uh, san francisco it's just a pop-up location but that's growing so we got this one guy who's um our um our uh, he's sort of head of sales he's just killing it um and uh, he's just like an engine. And, and you really need, um, I mean, that's one thing you need in a business, obviously. And I, I think especially in a business like ours is you just need a, um, just sort of a, some sort of tireless sales engine. So he's, he's selling to parents to get the kids in. So that's what he's... You know, so we're talking to schools. Yeah. Trying to get programs going at schools. Um, you know, he's really working on... Uh, on, on working, you know, setting up programs at schools and so, trying developing channels. It's not just like selling to individual kids. It's like, you know, building partnerships, building partnerships, you know, building sales channels, things like that. So how many people working for the company now? I don't know, like, oh, I don't know, eight, 10, 11, I don't know, full time oh, cool. and then like 30 people. I mean, it's growing. Wow. So I was, I was thinking about this on the way over because I knew we were going to talk about it. I was like, when I invested, I think we were uh, roughly a third this size. So we tripled in size. If, if you just want to look at the metric of kids, Gross, yeah. of kids, we have tripled. Well, that's in, great. In less than a year. Well, and so I invested in like something like, uh, let's call it July, mid-July. Mm -hmm. And um, so what's it, uh, middle of April? So, you know, what, three more months? So in nine months, we've tripled. So hopefully maybe by this time, by a year, we'll maybe quadrupled or something. It's a great trend. I would say that's pretty good. Yeah, really good. You know, I think, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I don't think, um, I mean, I tell Sandy, I say, if we're in a tunnel, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not our <laughs> big light, but I can see the light. You know, we're yeah. still, you know, we're still not profitable yet. You know, we're, it's still really early. You can screw things up and things can just go down. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have, you yeah. know, it's just, but, um, getting there. But I mean, what do you need? Like, I, I'm so surprised that you couldn't just get like, do a big raise of a Can't. 750 or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, oh yeah. That's something interesting too. I can talk about. Um, so you remember that, uh, I initially was talking to this guy. Uh, There's a guy over at Idea Lab, and they were starting a company yeah. called Code World, and yeah. it was the same kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And he was interested in me coming on, and I, I basically was like, "Look, I can't because of Uber. I mean, I, mm. I still got or you know a year more vest because this was actually it was actually about a year exactly a year ago. So I have I have more than a year. A year it was before it was 
before you'd met uh, before you'd spoken with Doug about his thing? Well, no, not before I'd spoken to him, before I, he has, before yeah. we talked about investing. In yeah. I mean, he had been doing it for a few months and I had been encouraging him, sort of cheerleading him on, but that there was nothing, you know, good. no, there was no partnership or anything. But um, he contacted me about like, hey, would you want to do this? Because he got my name through the community, knowing about, after hearing about Catalyst and all that. And um, so they then later merged with a company called Ucode, which is down um, south. It's down like in... Santa Monica, or I don't know, I don't know, further even south down the beach area, and um, they merged. But he's he's uh, he's actually left the company. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I can't get into the details. I mean, it's not like it's negative, but I just, I just think in the day when you have a small company, and sometimes it can be top heavy. It's like you don't need two people who are kind of like executives. Yeah, you know, it's like that. Especially happens during mergers. Yeah, no, and I think he, get he ultimately CEOs. left, but they helped. They raised, they raised funding. Um, yeah. I can't, I don't know. I, I probably can't say how much um, because I don't know if that's public or not, but um, they, raised, they raised some venture funding. But he said, you know, I didn't raise venture funding, but, you know, they talked to like 30 different companies. Yeah. And they were saying the same things that, that I was speculating were true and that we thought based on our limited amount of, of, uh, investors we talked to is that a the vast majority of investors are not interested in investing in brick and mortar period full stop they just don't because you know people are sheep they jump on a trend and they only look at the trend they don't look at under dry what what is a good business just basically on what is a good business not on hey you know we're do like some it's got to be cloud mobile social Local, whatever BS and everybody gets on that and they just think that's the easiest way to succeed. They don't think, okay, does there seem to be demand for this? I hadn't thought about this before, but wow, is there a demand? Do people like it? Does it seem like there's a big market? Does it seem like is this, is this like there's a way to inexpensively market it? And th- you know, they don't really just think through the basics of it. They they want to, you know, they just have this template in their mind. If it doesn't fit, you know, one of the five templates, they don't invest. And that's basically what he told me, which is like, yeah, I, that's pretty much what we were, we under, came to understand just by talking to a few people and just knowing how people are and, um, and the people they dig it. And then when they did talk to like a few companies that do invest in brick and mortar, venture firms, they, they usually don't even think about it and consider it until they're at 10 locations. <laughs> Before 10 locations, it's still too mom and pop. Hmm. You know, interesting. And so the one company, the one uh, Fred Wilson's, I think Fred Wilson or his wife invested. Mm. Gotham Gal is her, um, is her uh, blog, and in and, and I think there's someone else he said. Really, the people who end up investing were just true believers. You have to get people that aren't following a template or some adhering to some prospectus, but they think for themselves and they just say, "Hey, you know what." I get it. I get why this is going to work. I can see how this can be bigger. I like what you're doing. I think it's a positive thing you're doing. I love it. Let's do it. Like, it has to be that. It can't be. You, you go to a standard VC and they just, I just think you'd, you're just going to have a very um, low chance of having that work. So. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. I can see that. I'm actually, Fred Wilson's get it um, kind of getting a bit more of a name for himself because of like done some having done some great investments like Etsy 
Is it called Etsy, right? That mm-hmm. was just IPO'd. Mm-hmm. So it's like the second, the second billion dollar tech startup to IPO. He's done in a New lot. York, he did like you know? Tumblr and Twitter. Yeah. And- Facebook. He's done a lot of. Well, I think New York, like pe- people are going to start trying to. I mean, I I know people are going to try and start what, like trying to build it into the great tech scene that Silicon Valley is. You know, yeah, now, I don't see that happening. There's now that there's some. Um, you're just momentum. talking. One, you're talking one dude. You're right. talking one guy, Fred Wilson at Union Square Ventures. Right. You know, one one firm does not an industry make. Okay. You know, I. You know, look, things change over time. That's something we know for true. Silicon Valley at one point didn't exist. It was just farmland. Mm. But um, it's where everyone is. Yeah. It's like, you know, do you see Minneapolis becoming the next Hollywood? I don't, I don't know why. I mean, why are Charlotte or Houston? I don't, I don't know. You know, it's so much of it is there unless there's just a lot of effort to make it. A lot of reasons why an industry would transplant or right. bifurcate. I think it's, it's you know, I, I think. Well, uh, the thing is, is that there are a lot of smart people in New York. There's a lot of money in New York, but I think New York East Coast ha- tends to have a much more conser- financially conservative um, perspective on the world. Right. And I think that's somewhat antithetical to startups in, in general. Now, I, but that goes kind of against what I was just saying, because the way I was talking, portraying VCs is they're pretty conservative, right? Mm-hmm. Well, West Coast VCs, or VCs in general, even the West Coast VCs are extremely conservative compared to angels and angel investors, right? Angel investors are, well, you know, are, tend to be much more like, hey, it's a good idea. I like the team. Let's do it. You know, VCs are much more, you know, buttoned yeah. down and this has to have all these metrics and they kind of get this sort of, and it's just because of the dynamics of how it works and how they're compensated and all these kinds of things. Structural. But I think the East Coast um, is clear, is even more further and it is much more conservative hmm. you know i mean yeah yeah agreed. that works so i don't know i mean you know my i think but because it can only it can't really become even more conservative it can really only become less financially conservative i mean i guess you could go the only place that's less that's more conservative financially would probably go to europe yeah I'll go to london you know i mean i guess england i guess um you could say well new york used to take some chances on some companies and now it's even more like london or Paris, in which case there's almost no venture startup investing, but I don't know. I mean, it probably will loosen up over time, but I think it's going to take a while. Um, let's real quick, let's hear about your uh, your get healthy plan. You're you're now um, going on a cast to like try and fix well, all your, your broken there's body. not much to say. I mean, basically, I'm not going down there to to lose weight or to get super fit or something. I'm just going down there to get functionally, you know, so that I can start to do that other stuff. You know, so it's just like, just, just so I could move, move. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Like, what are you doing? What kind of stuff do you do? Uh, so he, I, I go in and the first thing they do is, um, I've got this really bad problem with this shoulder and with this hip. And so they'll put heat packs on those and then they'll leave me there for 10 minutes and then he'll come and stretch it out. Like do, and it, that bloody hurts as well. And then I guess do like, you know, an hour's worth of mobility exercises and then, get iced in the same places. That's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. And are you still doing the strength training? No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. Because I just felt that it, I don't know. I just don't, I, I think I'm done with it. Why? Well, look, dude, this is like this huge deal. Like you're very hopeful. He's like, I'm hopeful. I'm making progress. It's only like once a <laughs> oh, week. Crap. It takes 30 minutes. I wish you'd never brought this up. Why, why'd you um, quit? 
it just didn't feel it just didn't feel like it was doing anything anymore it just felt like it just felt uh, just annoying annoying yeah. i don't know it just i'd go in there i'd do it i didn't really feel like i was making progress and i just want to try and i want to do just regular i want to do regular weights and like like it just seems weird because it's making me strong just to do that one thing but it's you know other things it's not really helping well me. okay so you know what i mean so i so i just want to do regular free weights and i want to get there by doing this stuff so that i can actually lift them without really hurting myself so so they're, but they're two different things so like doing rehabilitation exercises are not, is not going to make your major muscles stronger no i, I get right? that but right. it, but Which, i will be able to start doing just right. normal weights is what i want to do right okay so yeah i mean so they're two different things i mean yeah. one one is about mobility it's also it's bloody expensive like you know it's costing 300 bucks a month and it's just like okay i just want to go to a regular gym do normal weights but i can't do that until i get myself so i get the basics working but at least now you know how to do it so you could replicate that on your own right i could i could but i'm not sure i would because why i don't know i just you don't believe it anymore no i it i i, I do i believe in it from from that thing of like when you've done nothing but then for about three to five months, it seems to be good. But I can't describe it. But just after that, it just seemed to be like... You hit asymptotic. You, just hit, you hit a ceiling. You, did, you, you hit a plateau and you just go past it. Right. It, Which is what I you said, told you. Right. I, yeah, yeah. you know, I hate yeah, like, like I, that, I, but, no, but that's what I said is that... Because I said, well, you hit this genetic max. I'm like, no, you, you have these... When you first start lifting weights, right. you have these really easy games. They call them new But it felt, it felt really like life-changing at that time right because they're, they're called noob games because your body is adapting to doing the exercise which it never done and you're 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 it's more of a neuromuscular adaptation your mind right. is like oh, okay oh doing this and so you just get stronger not like your muscles are getting are really changing that much but your your body's just getting used to doing the weights again and or doing the weights and the same thing will happen when you take time off from lifting and then you go back there's like this six to eight week period where you get stronger really quick. It may even go up to three months. Well, you get, because your body's just like relearning what it had learned before. But, um, but then in order to go past that, you actually, you can't just do, you know, 30 minutes once a week. Like you can't, you can't do that. You could do that when you first start out because it's like, hell, you get stronger doing right. push-ups. So, so, yeah, to answer your question, it just, it didn't feel, it was annoying to spend 300 bucks a month, right? Um, I feel like I've just kind of gone my path with that process and now I want to, because I guess, because I was thinking of what you said, like it did feel like I'd reached my, reached a certain plateau and I wanted, I would just want to go back to regular weights and just regular, I just want to be a regular person. Or go to regular weights, not go right. back, go to. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've done, I've done weights. Oh, come on. It was no, like, like a, you. It was like a Seinfeld episode where Kurt like says, <laughs> Seinfeld says, I think I'm on the brink of a new career. And Kramer says that. And Seinfeld's like, don't you mean a career? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, back, you're going to go two weights, still back to weights. No, because, because when I was in Glendale, remember when I lost 25 pounds in Glendale? That's because right. you were because I had I had the, you had your uh, your gluten free no diet. no no but I was I had the Audi TT and the, I think it's because because I had the car I would drive up to the gym I really enjoyed that I went for a swim and I did a circuit of weights there okay. not not weights like what you do yeah but, but you did the circuit okay. I did a circuit of weights every time so that's what I mean by go back to weights oh, okay I, I mean okay. like 
Just you need to go back to hitting iron. No, just what like <laughs> you know, if you walk into a gym and the guy explains to you, he like he's going to say, okay, here's a simple program for you, and then he shows you the machines and you oh, go yeah, around you and he writes it down. That's what I did, and that's what I've I've done like okay. in multiple gyms, okay. and that's what I want to get back. Okay. To. okay, yeah, so. Okay, okay. Give me a break. Jeez. All right. Well, that actually brings up a funny thing. I was wondering. <laughs> so you guys only have one car, and you it sucks. Don't really drive, and now right. you really don't drive because since you only have one car. Right? Well, I'm Ubering a lot now. But you know, Ubering, you know, Ubering in like in San Francisco or New York or something is easier because everything is closer. Yeah, closer. I mean, I guess it's Pasadena, so things are just far enough to be annoying to walk to. But you got to take an Uber to go like, what, a mile and a half, two hours? Yeah. But you're not going to go as much right? as if you had a car. So yeah. do you feel kind of, you cabin fever, like you're just here, like your life, you're just here. A little bit. You're just, but not, not is, too much. Justin is here. That's it. Not too much, because I do, I do get out and about a lot. But when, you get, when you get out and about, what does that mean? Where you go? Just like all, all over Pasadena. I mean, during the week, where, on a general weeknight, where, where would you go? On a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, what do you do? Uh... Go to Cheesecake Factory. You go to dinner. Yeah. How many times do you go to dinner in the week? Three. You go out to dinner three times a week? Probably, yeah. And you wonder why <laughs> you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> you go to Cheesecake Factory, and it's a big mystery. Three times a week is a big mystery why. Why I'm 235 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. It's just my jeans. I don't know what's going on. I got some weird bacteria in my gut. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if I went to Cheesecake Dinner three days, I'd weigh 280 pounds. What do you... Oh. <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't go to Cheesecake Factory three times a week. Well, just, that's just an example. And or wherever the hell you go, yeah. right? You go to nice restaurants because you're a little bit of a foodie. Yeah. You, you don't. There's a, there's a great new Indian restaurant just off the road called Mint, Mint Leaf. Have you tried it? I don't know. Last one you took me to, I thought was... No, that wasn't... I, I get it. I get it. Like, you... For whatever reason, the thing that you ordered wasn't very good. Like the stuff that I ordered, it wasn't good. bad. It was okay. No, it, it, it wasn't. Was... Good. That was the worst chicken tikka masala I think I've seen. It was pretty weak. Like it was kind of dry. <laughs> it was dry. It wasn't very good. Like it was everything. You're gonna love it. Trust me. That, but, that was you're being overbearing. That, go that was here. me being. Yeah. So, well, mint leaf really is good. Um, basically, if you look out, if you go from the outside, it just looks like a FedEx office. It's like there's no FedEx way. that serves chicken masala. It just looks like there's no way that this is this is good. But actually, you go inside and it's done up very nicely, and the food is very, very good, much better than Akbar. Really? Yeah, really okay. good. Well, much I, fresher. Chances are, I probably won't go because, like, the place we go, I love. Oh yeah, well, that's it's like right. why, why change? It's 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 perfect. I love it. I, I think that. Know the guys. No, I, I I'm really friendly with the guys. I kind of feel that should be your motto, Jason's motto. Why change? Well, <laughs> why <yeah>. change? <laughs> it's true. You know, when I find something that works, <laughs> that it really works well, I, I kind of lock it down. Like I don't, I'm not really, I don't have a little var variance. If there's something I'm like, this just, I'm not, I'm dissatisfied with this, I'll change it. But if once, I, once something's works really well, like why? I'll tell you why change. Because you've got to get used to change. Because when you wake up in 300 years time, that Indian isn't going to exist, and you're going to have to get used to new Indians. I'll just be in a really grumpy mood for a year or two until right. I finally. But you know, if it's like our world now, like the world just gets more adapt. You, it becomes more adaptable. You know, like this world is more configured to whatever we want. <laughs> you can live anywhere you want, do anything. You could live. You could live in a, you know, a cult on an island somewhere. You could live in New York City. You could live in the Texas. You could, and you live any kind of life you want to live in this world. 
it's just become much more flexible and adaptive than it was any time in the past. And I think it'll continue to go that way to the point that like you can just like design whatever the hell life you want. I mean, mm -hmm. depending on how the resources to do it, you know, but you know, <laughs> but, um, one thing I wanted to say, so would you ever consider getting a car just so they can kind of get out more during the week? Just I know I definitely would. And I will as soon as I can afford a Tesla. Why do you have to get a Tesla? Because I really want one, and um, I just it, it's kind of a moot point. Like as soon as more cash is coming through the door, I would get another car. And yeah. by more cash, I'm thinking it's going to have to be a significant amount more, and I could probably afford a Tesla. At that Why time. just get like a cheap little? I mean, you get like a little cheap little. <laughs> I don't know. Or Camry, because you haven't like get something you buy for like three, two or three thousand dollars, and then just like or or like just a really crappy car. Or like, even like what I do. I mean, I lease one. I have what is it a. a um, I don't even know what the hell it is. It's a CX. I know it's nice, and we pay like three hundred bucks a month for it, and it's re it's great. Yeah, it's 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 a really difficult justification to the wife about because I just there is no true reason for me to drive, <laughs> and it's going to be an extra three hundred. It's a dangerous <laughs> yeah. world to right. have Justin Vincent on the road. So I think it's going to require an upgrade in salary. Right, I get it. Well, especially because you always keep spending money on all these new things you're exactly. doing. Like, there's every month or two, there's a whole. I'm buying a walking desk. I'm doing the strength training. <laughs> I'm doing the catheter. It's like every week, Georgie's must be like, my God, like the amount of money we spend on all these things that you that you uh, experiment with. So you just probably drives her nuts, doesn't it? Yeah. Theme does. of the week. Yeah. Actually, it's more than a week. It's like theme of the every two. It's not quite a quarter. It's about every two months. Well, actually, theme of the quarter every three months. You're on a new thing. Whatever I spend, she spends quadruple on furniture. Right. Different she, stuff. Yeah, so lady likes so, furniture. Yeah. But the good thing about the furniture <laughs> is it's actually here. Once you got it, it's here. But like the stuff that you spent is just gone. That's true. Right? The soilant, the astronaut food, gone. The trait training. Yeah, but it's a much smaller increment. It's gone. It's much smaller <laughs> increments. I mean, anything that I spend a lot of money on can be sold. Like if it's a lot of money on it. Yeah, but these things you're spending money on are not like you can't like like walking desk you can sell. Well, you could, I guess you could sell. You'd like I mean, you'd able, lose twenty five percent, but you're not gonna be able to sell your uh, previous money spent on the strength training. No, that's true. That money is gone. All right, well, thanks a lot for that end of the show. <laughs> that was really nice. Um, <laughs> hey man, I'm just. Uh, I guess we'll call that a wrap. All ben. right, <laughs> all right, good enough. All right, that's a wrap. We're out. Nice. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs>